This is the news from the Lord. Hello, America. This is Jeffrey Lord with another edition of the Did He Really Just Say That? The Word of the Lord. I'll have more in a minute. But first, by now you've all heard me talk about my pillow, and now our friend Mike Lindell has done it again by introducing his new My Slippers. Mike has taken over two years to develop the slippers. They're designed to wear indoors and outdoors all day long, and I do. They're made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. They're made as well with quality leather suede. They're just gorgeous. For a limited time, Mike is offering 40% off his new My Slippers. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you will want to get some for the whole family. So go to mypillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code Jeff. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including those fabulous Giza Dream bed sheets, the MyPillow mattress topper, and the fabulous MyPillow towel sets. Or call 800-606-1043 and use promo code JEFF. Now, it is amazing what the effect of dissent from establishment gospel induces in presumably otherwise sensible adult Americans. The latest in this craziness on parade comes from two highly respected lawyers, former Trump Attorney General Bill Barr and retired federal judge J. Michael Luddy, a George H.W. Bush appointee to the Fourth Circuit. Both the former Attorney General and the retired federal judge made statements to the corrupt January 6th committee that leaves one shaking heads in disbelief. Let's start with the retired Judge Luddy. The judge, with a heretofore sterling reputation, presented a statement to the corrupt January 6th committee the other day that was a shining example of either outright ignorance or establishment contempt for democracy and those millions of Americans who believe the establishment has corrupted our nation's most treasured institutions. Judge Luddick began by saying this to the committee, quote, a stake was driven through the heart of American democracy on January 6, 2021, and our democracy today is on a knife's edge. America was at war on that fateful day, but not against a foreign power. She was at war against herself. We Americans were at war with each other over our democracy. January 6 was but the next foreseeable battle in a war that had been raging in America for years, though that day was the most consequential battle of that war even to date. In fact, January 6th, the judge added, was a separate war unto itself, a war for America's democracy, a war irresponsibly instigated and supported and prosecuted by the former president, his political party allies, and his supporters. Both wars are raging to this day, unquote. Hello, hello. Where was Judge Ludwig after the 2016 election when the establishment and its many institutions refused to accept the legitimacy of Donald Trump's election victory? Where was Judge Ludwig when the Democratic Party and its establishment allies in the media launched the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, a hoax invented, paid for, and signed off on, as we have learned from the recent testimony of her campaign manager, by none other than Hillary Clinton herself? For that matter, where was Judge Ludwig when it came to mentioning the leftist mobs that rioted in the streets after Trump's 2016 election and on the day of his inauguration, not to mention through all of uh, the summer of 2020? 
Next up, Judge Ludwig simply, I hate to say it this way, but he simply lies about the events of January 6th. He says this, quote, called to Washington, D.C. that day by the president, the president himself and the president's followers, supporters, and allies gathered near the White House for a stop the, ne- the steel rally. The president maintained at that rally that the 2020 election, presidential election had been, quote, fraudulently stolen, unquote, from him. <clears throat> the president addressed his faithful followers thusly, quote, we're going to the Capitol. We're going to try and give them meaning the Republicans in the Congress, presumably, the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. We will never give up. We will never concede, unquote. Inflamed, the gathered mob marched up the hill from the White House, this is the judge speaking, to the United States Capitol to protest, disrupt, and prevent the counting of the electoral votes for the presidency, which the president falsely charged were wrongly about to be counted by the Congress in his political opponent's winning favor and in his own losing favor. Unquote. <clears throat> now, to be blunt, and I'll clean it up for uh, we don't, this is a family podcast. This is 100% bunk. As I have said previously, I personally was at that White House rally with a literal front row seat. I heard the president's speech. He saw me, gave me a thumbs up and a wave, and I heard his speech from beginning to end. Note well, Judge Ludwig never notes that the president specifically said to the crowd, as I heard him say, to go and, quote, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, unquote. Say again, peacefully and patriotically. In fact, not only did that part of the president's speech not make Judge Ludwig's statement, it was, as Ohio's Republican Congressman Jim Jordan has noted, also, curiously, edited out of the committee's video of that very event. Imagine that. I did not go to the Capitol when that rally was over, but returned to my hotel room to do a television interview and a Zoom call with the Pennsylvania newspaper. But at no time was anyone in my vicinity at the White House rally, which included thousands of people, suggesting anything close to violence. In fact, people were dancing to the rock music blaring through the loudspeaker. But that doesn't make it into the judge's statement. He has swallowed liberal media garbage about that rally, hook, line, and sinker. It is worth noting that even MSNBC's far-left host, Rachel Maddow, didn't swallow this nonsense. Said Rachel to fellow host Chris Hayes recently, just a key point that, yes, there was a pro-Trump rally at which the president spoke, and we can absolutely talk about all the things the president said there. But the idea that that rally is the thing that got out of hand and that somehow resulted in the breaching of the Capitol, that rally was very far from the Capitol. And the people who, as you say, did the initial breach that allowed everybody else to come in, they never even went to that rally. Unquote. Bingo. Just just the key point that, yes, there was a pro-Trump rally at which the president spoke. And you can we can absolutely talk about all the things the president said there. But the idea that that rally is the thing that got out of hand and that somehow resulted in the breaching of the Capitol, that rally was very far from the Capitol. And the people who, as you say, did the initial breach that allowed everybody else to come in, they never even went to that rally. Kudos to Rachel Maddow for speaking the truth Judge Ludwig brazenly denies. Judge Ludwig also says that Trump, quote, had lost fair and square and as to which there was not then and there is not to this day evidence of fraud, unquote. Hello? No evidence of fraud? Seriously? As I have previously said in The American Spectator, 
anyone who believes such a bald untruth as that put forward by Judge Luddig owes it to themselves to read Federalist investigative reporter Molly Hemingway's best-selling book, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. As I noted, Molly uses exhaustive detail to document that, quote, there are abundant reasons to suspect the election was rigged at every step, unquote. Those, quote, abundant reasons to suspect the election was rigged at every step, unquote, include the following 2020 events just from my home state of Pennsylvania alone. One, the Trump campaign in Philadelphia, per a Commonwealth Court judge, was deprived of its, quote, statutory right to have poll watchers present at places where electors cast and submit votes in person, unquote, and in, quote, unparalleled, unquote, numbers. Two, Ballot harvesting is not allowed in Pennsylvania, yet Philadelphia allowed it. The notoriously partisan Democrat Attorney General Josh Shapiro, coincidentally not, now the Democrats' nominee for governor of Pennsylvania in the 2022 election, said that objecting to ballot harvesting, which was the law, was now suddenly, quote, illegal voter intimidation, unquote. Three, the Democrat Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled the, quote, Democrats in Philadelphia did not have to allow the Trump campaign any observation of the vote counting, unquote. Four, the Trump campaign had a legal right to observers within a reasonable distance from the counting, Molly writes. Why did election officials, she says, ask in overwhelmingly Democratic Philadelphia go out of their way to deprive the campaign of that right, unquote. Since Judge Luddick has chosen to jump into this discussion in this way, he has revealed that he is either willfully or unintentionally abysmally ignorant about my home state's abysmal history of voter fraud that goes way beyond 2020. As I have documented in the American Spectator, Pennsylvania elections in 1994, 2008, 2012, 2014, 2015, and 2016 all had voter fraud. As a retired federal judge, Judge Ludwig should have been aware of this New York Times story from 1994 that, that, that speaking about a then sitting federal judge in Philadelphia, said this, and I'm going to quote directly from the New York Times, quote, saying Philadelphia's election system had collapsed under, quote, a massive scheme, unquote, by Democrats to steal a state Senate election in November a federal judge today took the rare step of invalidating the vote and ordered the seat filled by the Republican candidate. Federal Judge Newcomer ruled that the Democratic campaign of William G. Stinson had stolen the election from Bruce S. Marks, the Republican candidate, in North Philadelphia's 2nd Senatorial District through an elaborate fraud in which hundreds of residents were encouraged to vote by absentee ballot, even though they had no legal reason like a physical disability or a scheduled trip outside the city to do so, unquote. And as Judge Ludwig should be aware, just days ago, there was this headline coming out of the Department of Justice. This headline is from a news release from the Department of Justice. Quote, former U.S. congressman and Philadelphia political operative pleads guilty to election fraud charges, unquote. Now, Let's move on from Judge Ludwig's nonsense to more of the same from none other than former Trump Attorney General Bill Barr, who said this to the committee, referring to a post-election conversation he had with then-President Trump. 
said Mr. Barr, quote, I made it clear I did not agree, you know, he's talking about his conversation with the president, with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bull s. Mr. Barr said of his conversations with Trump. And you know, I didn't want to be a part of it, he said. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I was somewhat demoralized, he said, because I thought, boy, if he, meaning the president, really believes this stuff he's lost contact with, he's become detached from reality, if he really believes this stuff, unquote. He continued, and on the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would, you know, tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were, unquote. Hmm. It would seem the good former attorney general could also do himself some good, a lot of good, by reading Molly Hemingway's book. As I have noted, Molly has chapter and verse in detail how the election was manipulated. But there's more to this refusal by Mr. Barr to recognize the corruption in 2020, not to mention Pennsylvania's dismal history of elections that his, than his actions or lack thereof alone. In truth, it touches exactly on the battle between the Washington political establishment and the American people. Recall this headline in the Washington Post on January 31st, 2017, a mere 11 days into Donald Trump's presidency. The headline read, quote, resistance from within, federal workers push back against Trump, unquote. The story said this, and I'm quoting from the Washington Post, less than two weeks into Trump's administration, federal workers are in regular consultation with recently departed Obama era political appointees about what they can do to push back against the new president's initiatives. Some federal employees have set up social media accounts to anonymously leak word of changes that Trump appointees are trying to make. Unquote. As history now records, this was but the beginning of a major effort by the Washington establishment and the establishment and its, and its uh, uh, hiding places around the country to deliberately sabotage the Trump presidency. Of all the places where the former attorney general should have seen this pushing back by career bureaucrats operation in action, it was, of course, inside the very department that he headed, the Department of Justice. The FBI was thoroughly corrupt, as Molly Hemingway notes. She writes, quote, the Russia collusion hoax had been invented by the Clinton campaign and Democratic National Committee, fed to compliant reporters and weaponized by Obama's Department of Justice, unquote. And she adds, to keep the Trump administration from finding out what the Department of Justice had done during the 2016 campaign, several key figures needed to be sidelined before they got access to the information about the operation, unquote. One of those Trump figures they had to silence was, of course, the incoming Trump National Security Advisor, General Mike Flynn who knew how Washington worked and was quickly drummed out of his about-to-be-new job for doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing, touching base with his foreign counterparts. In the Washington Post just this week in June is the tale of the -the behind-the-scenes drama as the Washington establishment, as personified in the Department of Justice, fought the effort to get an honest accounting of electoral votes from various states, Pennsylvania included reports the post of a dramatic Oval Office meeting on January 3rd. Jeffrey Clark, the Assistant Attorney General for the Environment and Natural Resources Division, was trying to persuade President Trump to appoint him acting Attorney General. The Post story says, quote, 
Clark had outlined a plan in a letter he wanted to send to the leaders of key states Joe Biden won. It said that the Justice Department had, quote, identified significant concerns, unquote, about the vote and that the states should consider sending, quote, a separate slate of electors supporting Donald J. Trump, unquote, for Congress to approve. Like clockwork, a vigorous objection emerged to Clark from, yes, career prosecutor Richard Donahue, who had now emerged as the deputy to then-acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen. Revealingly, career prosecutor Donahue, career Department of Justice bureaucrat Donahue, said this to the President of the United States, per the Washington Post, quote, Donahue urged Trump not to put Clark in charge, calling Clark, quote, not competent and warning of, quote, mass resignations by Justice Department officials if he became the nation's top law enforcement official, according to Donahue's own account. Donahue said, what happens if within 48 hours we have hundreds of resignations from your Justice Department because of your actions? What does that say about your leadership, unquote, Donahue asked Trump. Well, which is to say, just as with that January 2017 Post story describing a Washington establishment bureaucracy plotting and scheming how to rebel against the duly elected president, at the end of that administration, there was a career Justice Department official literally threatening the very same elected president by saying, quote, what happens if within 48 hours we have hundreds of resignations from your Justice Department because of your actions? What does that say about your leadership, unquote? Clearly, Mr. Donahue was clueless that what those potential, quote, hundreds of mass resignations, unquote, would really mean if they happened was an all too vivid confirmation that Washington bureaucrats have zero regard for the elected president of the United States if they don't like him, not to mention the American people who elected him. In the style of authoritarians everywhere, those Department of Justice bureaucrats saw themselves as the repository of ultimate power in America. And any attempt to investigate the kind of election corruption listed in detail in Molly Hemingway's book would be fiercely opposed. In the closing of her book, Molly Hemingway sums up exactly the real problem symbolized by the corrupt handling of the 2020 election. She writes this, quote, The left's path to future victory requires it to cow its opposition into silence, to throw its political opponents in jail, and to censor any discussion that threatens its one-party state. The left's vision is fundamentally anti-American, and its increasingly brazen activities aimed at crushing dissent will only alienate it from the American people. A growing number of Americans, she wrote, are outraged by the way the left seizes and deploys power. They are sick of the lies, manipulation, and distortion that a corrupt ruling class spins on a regular basis. Those courageous citizens not the decaying establishment, will determine the fate of the nation. Their efforts will ensure that we pass on our beloved republic to future generations. In the fights to come, she writes, those men and women will have the best weapon, truth, on their side. The only question is whether their leaders will have the courage to use it. Unquote. Well, bingo, Molly Hemingway, bingo. Now, to borrow from the old astronaut lingo of the 1960s, Houston, America has a problem. For the word of the Lord, this is Jeffrey Lord. Stop by my website, thejeffreylord.com, to catch up on the news and views. And thanks for coming. See you next time.